Hi, and welcome to the National Shooting Sports Foundation's new podcast series, Gun Industry Speaks. As the trade association for the firearms and ammunition industry, we're often talked about in the news and on social media. Throughout this series, we'll be speaking for ourselves. We'll cover who we represent, what our goals are, and what we do to promote real solutions for safer communities. My name is Elizabeth McGuigan, and I'm the Director of Policy and Legislative Research for NSSF. I'm here with our president, Joe Bartosi. Joe, can you tell us about yourself? Sure. My career started with the industry about 40 years ago. I worked for a company that was a supplier to some of the major firearms manufacturers, particularly in Connecticut. And uh, my background was quality control and uh, quality engineering. Over the years, I worked on things like product engineering, product development, product service. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when I was uh, running the factory, I became plant manager running the factory. I went to law school at night. I spent four years in law school while working during the day. And when I graduated a couple years later, I became the general counsel. Okay. And so I got a kind of a behind, this, behind the scenes look from engineering to quality to product service into the legal world. And so it kind of really well-rounded my, my career in the industry for over 30 years. Wow. Now I've only been with NSSF and in the industry since 2012. And as you said, you've been involved for over 30 years. And I know that as an organization, we've seen a lot of changes in recent years. So I wanted to take a step back and look at why we're here to begin with. Joe, can you tell us more about how NSSF originated and a bit about our mission? Yeah, the, really the start of the NSF was in about 1960. Mm -hmm. uh, a group of folks came together in New York City and the idea was to create a better understanding and a more active participation in the shooting sports. So basically the idea was let's get the message out. Let's let people know about the shooting sports, the outdoors, getting out there and enjoying themselves on the range in the field. The, there were things about um, responsible firearms usage. So we had safety messages, things of that nature. So again, people involved, making them safe in the field or at the range. Uh, in the 1970s, the evolution continued and President Nixon actually signed a proclamation for the first National Hunting and Fishing Day. Really? Okay. Which is something that continues even to this day. Mm -hmm. But that was started in, in 72 by uh, the NSSF. And then you fast forward to 79, of course, the SHOT Show, which became the preeminent uh, trade show, business to business trade show for the industry. And again, going strong after more than 40 years now, promoting trade and awareness about our industry and our industry's products. NSF moved towards legislative priorities because the industry was under attack from municipalities blaming the gun industry for the actions of criminals. Mm -hmm. And so NSF got involved legislatively, became much more of an advocate for protecting the, the sport that we, that we participate in and that we love. Okay, great. So basically we're a trade association, right? And we're definitely doing our best to represent the members that we have across the country in every community. And we're doing pretty well, I'd say. Looking at the numbers, we know that in 2018, our industry had an economic impact of $52 billion um, in between direct jobs and also supplier-related jobs. Uh, we support about uh, 312,000 jobs throughout the 50 states. So as a trade association, these numbers matter. We want our businesses to grow and be successful and be responsible members of these communities. And of course, we know our industry is not just making widgets. It's fair to say that we, as an industry, face some unique challenges as an association and as an industry. Guns are certainly something that everybody has an opinion on, right? Uh, positive or negative. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think we've learned in the last few years about people's views of NSSF and our industry? I know we've done focus groups and surveys. What do people think of us? Well, certainly the industry 
is well aware of our efforts, right? Everything that we do, we do for the industry, with the industry. Where we see a drop-off is in the general public's awareness of the National Shooting Sports Foundation, right? They don't know exactly what we do. I mean, so much of the talk in the gun world, right, surrounds groups like the National Rifle Association for obvious reasons. They've got millions of members. They're, they're in the media all the time. Whereas the NSSF, being a trade association, what do we work on? Jobs and taxes, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, when we go to Capitol Hill, we're talking about primarily things that affect jobs and taxes. Legislating against the industry is legislating against jobs. It's hurting Pittman-Robertson excise tax dollars, which go to conservation and, and habitat restoration. Those things will suffer if the industry suffers. Right. We're bringing a message of safety. We're bringing a message of economic stimulation to the, to the economy mm -hmm. with the jobs you mentioned, the numbers you mentioned, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that through the course of this podcast series and why we're doing this to begin with is um, to go through the different programs that we run and our stance on some of these policy issues that you know we don't always get coverage on in mainstream media. You know, The New York Times isn't necessarily going to run our opinions on certain laws that are under debate, but we do have opinions and we do have programs that we think address the, the root causes of some of the very real problems in our society. It doesn't take much these days to get a sense of what people think of the gun industry, particularly after some of these mass shooting events. We're wrongly seen by many as the villain. And much of what I hear and you know, what we see even on our Facebook feeds or through the media is blamed for making guns, for selling guns, and for not doing enough to help prevent these kinds of tragedies and helping to prevent unauthorized access or criminal access to firearms. And I know that's not true. And the industry knows that's not true. But it's obviously a very emotional issue to have people dying for any reason. And it's hard to, it's hard to hear about. And that's not something that people hear about from the gun industry. I mean, we know that we're people with families and we have kids and we care and we worry. But like I said, we're gonna go through each of our programs that do help address these real problems. But before we get into that, what goes through your head when you hear about some of these tragedies? Yeah, this, is, this is a very emotional thing for all of us. You said it right. We've got families, mm -hmm. children, grandchildren. These things are tragedies. These things are wrong. I don't know. I can't imagine what goes through the mind or the heart of somebody that treats human life so callously without regard for the consequences. I, I don't know why that is. But emotionally as a human being, you, you want it to stop, you want to find a way. But I also know as someone who's worked in technical matters most of mm -hmm. my career, that unless you get to the root cause, you're not gonna solve anything. Right. You can talk about ban this or take that away from law-abiding people, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, if that doesn't address the root cause, you're not doing anything to solve the problem. Right. The law-abiding people aren't the ones that are problems. We talk about, uh, the politicians talk about banning certain types of guns or certain types of magazine capacities. But at the same time, they say, well, we need background checks to make sure only good people get guns. So if good people get guns, what's the difference what kind of gun they have or what the capacity of their magazine is? Right. It's, just, it's illogical. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So yes, this is emotional. It's frustrating because we don't want these to happen. Every time one of these things happen, it, it casts a pall over our entire industry. Like we're somehow to blame the actions of criminals. And we won't be defined by criminals. We refuse to let them define who we are and what we do. As someone who's been a lifelong shooter, competitive shooter, hunter, outdoors person in my own family, my own children, participate in these same sports that I, that I grew up doing, 
Um, it's great on that side, mm -hmm. but the other flip side is we're kind of outcast in our own community now sure. because we exercise our Second Amendment rights or the right to hunt and fish. And I'll just give you one more thing that I think is important to know. After the shootings in early August, mm -hmm. the back-to-back -back shootings, I had called the entire staff together here at NSSF, and I told them just a few simple things. I said, look, we will never know which child was not injured or killed because her parents put a Project Child Safe lock on a firearm. Right. We'll never know that, okay? We'll never know which convicted felon didn't get a gun because the background check records are now in the system mm -hmm. because we lobbied the states and got the laws changed in the states to get those records in the system. And we'll never know what straw purchaser didn't get a gun because one of our programs, Don't Lie If The Other Guy, was implemented at a, at a retail establishment and that guy never got that gun to leave that store. We'll never know that. We don't hear about those right, things. Right. But they're out there, they're real, and we have solutions and we are saving lives. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Over 38 million locks given away just, just from Project Child Safe. I mean, that's a staggering that's number. Huge. You know, my background, I, unlike you, I don't come from a tradition of hunting the shooting sports. I'm pretty new to the industry. I'm new to the community. And you know, I actually started with NSSF just a couple of months before the Sandy Hook tragedy. So that was very difficult for me. I mean, I had plenty of research experience, but in coming into this industry right around one of these huge tragedies. I mean, I have a son. I, you know, it was very emotional and it was a very hard time. Um, but my work is on the research side. So the first thing I had to do after this happened was dig into what could have prevented it. What could help prevent another one of these issues from happening? And as I, you know, ramped up our, our government relations research in the weeks and the months that followed that tragedy, I had to figure out whether I could still work for the gun industry, especially in the same town as these senseless killings happened. So I let the research make my decision. And as I did all of the reading and writing and all of the, you know, actual work to figure out what works and what doesn't, I quickly saw firsthand in the data, in the research, in the evidence, the industry is not at fault, um, but is actually, as you said, a proactive part of implementing the effective solutions and programs that work. So it's true, we don't support new laws that wouldn't work, but that doesn't mean we're not taking action. And there's more to the story of, of who we are and, and of what we do. And the, you know, we do know there's real problems in our society. We're not responsible for creating them. And we want a seat at the table when addressing these causes, as you say. And that's our goal really here is to speak to everyone else. Yeah, much like our original mission in the 1960s, you know, creating a better understanding. Yep. You know, there is a common ground with regard to these solutions. Right. All right. They're not mutually exclusive to either you have guns or you don't have guns. There, there is not a black and white solution. It's some, somewhere in the middle, mm -hmm. there is a means to finding a way to securing firearms when they're not in use. What we're trying to do is to create programs that don't infringe anyone's rights, mm -hmm. but teach people responsible ownership, safe storage, preventing bad guys from getting their hands on firearms. Most of our right. programs are designed to do just that. So yes, it's very emotional, it's very frustrating, but we really believe that we have something to offer here. Project Child Safe, uh, the information we, that we hand out to people shows them multiple options right. for securing their firearms so that a child or an at-risk individual, adult, someone perhaps going through a problem, won't have immediate access to this firearm. People that are in crisis, we want them to get help. Right. 
So we're providing the means, education and otherwise, physical means, to prevent people from getting their hands on a firearm when they're having a crisis. Right. So we're working with people like the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention mm -hmm. to understand this better so that we can have an impact on this. And we're not experts in mental health by any, by any stretch, right. but we have the knowledge and the experience with gun owners, as gun owners, as gun owners and shooters ourselves, to get the message out to people that, hey, there are ways to secure your firearms properly. Mm -hmm. If you're running a retail establishment, there are ways to sell a product that is perfectly legitimate as far as a sales method, but will prevent, perhaps, the wrong person from getting their hands on a firearm. I think people would be surprised to learn that as much as we are a trade association, we are absolutely involved, engaged, and happy to promote the trade domestically, internationally, of our lawfully provided, constantly protected products. We also want to keep them out of the wrong hands. Right. And we have a number of programs that do just that. And again, we're not going to be blamed for the problems of criminals, mm -hmm. although we are being blamed for the problems of right, criminals right. In, in some circles. But it's not accurate. When you look into what we're doing, what the industry is supporting with their own dollars, putting their money where their mouth is, so to speak, we are making a difference. We can make a difference. And to have a seat at the table to explain these programs is usually, is usually important for us. No, I, I agree, absolutely. And throughout this series, we're going to talk about the different programs and we're going to be talking about the issues that are in the news today. We'll have plenty to say and we'll be going in depth in the coming episodes to talk about the various policies under debate, such as universal background checks, bans on certain types of guns. We'll talk about crime trends. We'll talk about accident data and suicide prevention and all these related programs that NSSF and our members uh, have proactively created and funded for decades in some cases. We'll also talk about future technologies, so-called smart guns and current mandates, and also what the industry sees as priorities for achieving the real solutions for safer communities. So I wanted to thank you for listening, and please make sure you don't miss next episode by subscribing to this podcast wherever you're listening. Thank you.